episode two of Mostly Spoilers. I'm your host, Mike Tanner. I'm Laird Smith. And today, uh, we're going to talk about another uh, nerdgasm, if you will. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Um, particularly, a friend of mine a few days ago was re-watching Rogue One and posted about how uh, she can't believe that people don't like this movie. I agreed. And since I've been inundated with a lot of people saying they don't like it, and you have suggested that there are some legitimate reasons why Rogue One, uh, the best film of the entire Star Wars uh, universe... I mean, it's not, but okay. ...is is not necessarily a, a great movie or why there's some problems. So maybe you can tell me why this fantastic movie is not... A great movie. Yeah, well, I remember actually watching it with you, and I remember the point where it became for you a fantastic movie, and the point before which it wasn't. But first, I'd just like to I'd just like to do an object demonstration, if I could, because uh, I know your phone's being used to record this, so I know you can't look anything up. Could you name for me, please, three characters from Rogue One who uh, weren't in the original series? Uh, sure. Okay, uh, thank you. Galen Erso. Sure. Uh, Jin Erso. Sure. And Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, I believe, uh, was the name of a guy who was in it. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also uh, Iron Giant-looking robot was okay. another character from it. Yep. Um, there was uh, Scent of a Woman Ninja. Uh, there was uh, Laser Samurai. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Ooh, Middle Eastern pirate pilot. Uh, then there was also uh, South American pilot. Um, there was uh, Sammy Mendelssohn Tarkinen, who was obviously the main bad guy. Um, and. That I think are all the named I think if you look at the IMDb, those are the named characters for the cast. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, so maybe I'm going to start off then by suggesting that one of the reasons uh, Rogue One might not be the best movie is because the characters are a little on the flat side. You don't engage with them very much to the point that um, you you don't know their names. I I I think I proved otherwise. But yeah, and um, uh, in fact. Um, <clears throat> There's points in the film where they say their names, and you could actually just not hear them. You could just gloss over them, because you just go, I don't care. KPSOD, is that his name? Not as much as it's K2SO, but, you know. That was close. That was... Sure, I, I but I mean... I got the K part right. the difference between K2SO and K2SO4? Uh, no. Uh, one is sulfuric acid, so close is a very dangerous concept. Sometimes. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I don't think that you have to know the names of, of those people to be invested... Like I, I, I'm just I, saying. I agree with that you. I think the it characters. Is a, it is a beautiful plot-driven story. Uh, I would say that parts of it uh, have a problem. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that the back half, the Battle of Scarif, is excellent. The Battle of Scarif is very straightforward, and it's the part of the film that most people go, "Oh yeah, well, this is really fun." Uh, this is the is big that, war is that part. The battle at the end. Yes, this is this is See, the that part didn't interest me as much. But, I mean, it's all the things that go around it. It's the infiltration of the base. It's the uh, multiple steps that have to be taken to get the plans out. And the fact that everybody has a 
contribution to make to the ultimate success of the rebellion. Because you know, for you, it plays out very much like the game we've been playing, Imperial Assault, where yeah, everyone well, has their own tasks. That. And but beyond that, of... there's also the sense of when I watched Rogue One, or when I was going into Rogue One, I understood yeah. it to be essentially a World War II movie yep. in the Star Wars universe. Yep. And I was impressed with Gareth Edwards uh, with his Godzilla film for his sense of scale. There's a, there's a scene in that film where a Muto comes toward the bridge, and it's just shot incredibly well. Um, I didn't think I could engage that well with a kaiju-type film. And in that moment, I just remember being struck in the theater. I was like, this is why people go to the movies. Right. Um, and here, again, Gareth Edwards pulls off a lot of points with sense of scale. One of the one of the scenes I actually missed from the trailer because it wasn't in the film is the point where she's running down and a, and a TIE fighter rises up in front of her. Yeah. That was my favorite scene from the trailer. Yeah. And I was annoyed it wasn't in the film. Although I understand why like that was just recreated. Um, but yes, yeah, so a World War II film essentially about the struggles of a small resistance to make a difference, to make some kind of dent in a massive war machine. And so the Battle of Scarif I thought was pretty engaging. And, I, and before that, I had a good time with uh, a good amount of the material that took place on Jeddah, which was the desert moon. Yep. Uh, specifically in Jeddah City, like where they're going around yeah. there. And, of course, when the droid comes in and he's like, do you still want me to wait with the ship? Because yeah. I should literally just save the life. He provides a ton of... Well, that's Alan Tudyk, of course, and he's yeah, fantastic. A but, ton of, to me, surprising comedic relief that I wasn't expecting. And you know what? It's, it's pitched very well. It is. It does not stick out. No. It, see, like, C-3PO from mm-hmm. the original series... Is he is the comic relief? He is those. He's those notes, mm-hmm. but he had like he's those notes at like a pitch and tone that is just really bordering on super annoying. Like C three PO is a is I a guy it, who I if think, you well, just may skirt the line, he comes back under for sure. But what I mean, and I I hundred percent agree. What I was about to say is C three PO is a character that you're just like, Neh. it's very close to going over, like. You take that guy a little bit further, and he's Jar Jar. Oh yeah, like he's very without a huge gap. And I thought that K two S O four, K two S O, Iron Giant robot guy. Yes, sure, uh, I thought that he provided really great comedic relief without that sort of hokey silliness that. that no, no, he, did, he delivers very well. Did. And I think I think of the characters in the film. Easily the best new addition. Uh, I like him. I like the design. I also... I, I want to see some Imperial yeah. Enforcer droids now, because I yeah. think they've got a rude personality that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, and apparently the Stormtroopers know that, too, which and is funny. And the name of the blind guy is... I'll have fun. Jerk. Nope. Jerk. Still not. Jerk. Sure. Yerk? Nope. Uh... The, the reason I the reason it's actually in my head is that my son for Christmas got uh, an Imperial Assault Lego set from Rogue One that has him in it, and I can't I can look at his name and I can't think what's his name? Chirrut Imwe. Chirrut Imwe. Chirrut. Chirrut Imwe. Okay, I actually really really liked him in that movie. I felt like his introductory scene had the problem where, uh, and this might have just been the mixing, but. He says his name, and you don't hear him because he's actually—he's almost filtered to the back in his own line delivery of this of this crowd scene. 
And it doesn't help, of course, that that he's not looking toward her, and he's basically having a conversation with her across half a city block right. that she doesn't know she's participating in. True. Yeah, which is is kind of odd, and it's how you easily miss his name. Yes. Uh, that being said, I I liked him. He stuck out to me as a character design, but I didn't. He, he's still a flat character. He's just a flat character who has characteristics that has some traits that, that make him that stand out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I think one of the things when you look at like C three PO and you say he's comic relief, well, I think there's actually a lot to be said for other characters as comic relief in the original trilogy. And I'm not saying they're always comic relief. I'm just saying that they are that there's a little bit more equal opportunity with comedic lines. Sure, and I, I mean, think that I think yeah, I think Han is Han. a character. I think Leia has some really good snark in the original, especially. Yes. Will someone get this walking carpet out of my way? Yeah, I love it. No reward is worth this. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's a there's a certain tenor of the humor, sure. and I feel like, and I, I say this with all candor, K2SO nails it because the humor yeah. that he delivers is completely like why we're laughing about it is because he's saying things that are essentially like I don't like this person, yeah, <laughs> I really don't, I don't understand why any of you trust her. This makes no sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally a reprogrammed Imperial droid, and I'm the only one who's reading a problem into this, like. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. will say, like, some of the things that I really, really liked about Rogue One, number one, it looks beautiful. It really does. Right off again, the get-go. That the opening Gareth sequence Edwards? is, like, I know that's just people in a in a grass field. Now, that being said, they, that scene the start is of that film, beautiful. The start of that film hurts me so much. Why? Well, the start of that film hurts me because you get a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then... Smash cut to silence. I'm like, yeah. oh, where is it? But uh, so I think but yeah, no, that, I, that shooting is... I, I think, I actually, and I will also say, actually, that because I think that also works. Oh, it does, absolutely. I'm just saying that... that the first time I see it, it's in that it, is, it is very jarring. It was yeah. very jarring. You and I watched it, and yeah. we both went, and I went, oh, what? Yeah. Uh, but I think that because they're trying to really establish... Yeah. That this is a separate and independent, yeah. then I think that is actually an important thing to do. Yeah. But from a sheer visual standpoint, mm. it is stunning. I mean, yeah. there are beautiful shots. Excellent. Yeah, the star, the uh, star destroyer over Jakku City, or not Jakku, Jetta, uh, Jetta City, Jetta City. Uh, is a wonderful shot. Yeah, absolutely striking. Um, the and, thing lifting up when when Vader shows up, and there's the whole. Oh yeah, uh, like the, the just the distance and the scale and how a shadow falls over yeah. Director Krennic is is fantastic. Um, now there's Director Krennic, whose name I also remember. Yes, absolutely, clearly. you did. Now I, I will stipulate before going any further that I am I am being forced here to defend a viewpoint that to some extent I don't necessarily agree with. Sure. Yeah, um, you liked the movie. I enjoyed the movie. Sure. I I thought it was one of the better films in the overall Star Wars franchise. Okay. I would definitely not consider it one of the best films if we're doing that. But I think that but, I mean I think there's a small where number would you of put films. It? Where would you put like if you if you're including uh, all would, of them that have been made? Now? I would comfortably place it fourth right now. So what goes above it? So uh, Empire, mm-hmm. Jedi. I would say. Uh, Last Jedi. No. No. Okay. No. Which Which is your other? Original. Oh, uh, New Hope. Yeah. And then okay, I I would put it. I would put it. I would I would actually put it tied for third. Tied for third. With uh, tied for third with the New Hope. 
Okay. Um, I am actually someone who I have trouble reconciling my love of A New Hope with what it is. Like, I think that A New Hope is an important movie in that it it opens up that whole universe. Mm. I mean, it is the launching of, you know, this whole thing, which I, which is... Incidentally, trivia point today, I found out who's responsible for it getting made. Who's Grace Kelly. How? Why? Because she uh, was the Princess of Monaco at the time. She was married to the Prince of Monaco. Yeah. She was spending time away from him by being on the Fox Board of Directors. And they were having a fierce, no they were having a fierce argument about greenlighting this film. They thought it was insane that they yeah. didn't want to give money to it. And the board was split almost 50-50. And she decided, I'm just not going to say anything, which they took for assent to greenlight the movie. So by her deciding to sit out the vote and not actually say anything one yeah. way or another, Star Wars got made. See, and I will, it, uh, arguably, it was crazy to make that movie. Absolutely. It's I mean, insane. there are a bunch of other movies that you can look at over the years mm. and say... There's not a logic. I mean, aside from the fact that it was it was better, but there's not a logical reason why it. I'm interested as to why it hit the notes it hit when it hit it. Like I know it's a beautiful, it's a great story, and there are some really nice, uh, you know, traditional almost Western cowboyish aspects. It marries a lot of different things. I mean, the actual story itself. And a lot of the qualities come from Akira Kurosawa, who is... So you have the Western elements, which is Han Solo, sort of. And then you have literally the samurai film elements, which are Kurosawa's film, The Hidden Fortress. I've I've actually never seen a Kurosawa film. Neither have I. I've only heard. But The Hidden Fortress is literally about the princess going out to find this old general to help lead the army. And, of course, there's this hidden fortress. And the fortress in question... And in that film as well... Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Obviously, it doesn't travel around Japan, floating around aimlessly. I'm going to blow up Shikoku. <laughs> It'd be amazing if it did. It would be very different movie, and I'd enjoy it tremendously. Yeah. Um, but they also it also introduced the premise of like the those two guys kind of cartoonish thing, which we have uh, C3PO and R2D2, and where they're sort of the the viewpoint characters of the entire film, bumbling their way through to, sure. to one extent or another. Anyway, that being said, you, you have the marriage of Western tropes and, and distinctly Eastern tropes coming together into this story and then building it around the monomyth. That's the Joseph Campbell-style uh, hero's journey. Yeah. At a time when Hollywood films weren't doing that. Yeah. At a time when you were doing the, the grim, you were doing the downer, you were doing things like Chinatown. Yeah. Like that's, that's got a dark ending. Um, and this comes along and it says... It's for everyone, which is weird, because you see these things and you go, well, that's, that's pitched toward kids. This was for everyone. Yeah. And when this came out, when, when people saw it, they didn't know how to react to it. They, it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. Now, I have sat by and I've seen numerous flaws in the film, but I think, ultimately, it, it stands apart and a lot of the things it does uh, come off still very well to this day. Now, walking back to Rogue One, because that's more or less our topic yep. for the moment. Because um, I talked about, of course, Jeddah. I liked a lot of what was going on in Jeddah. Yep. I did not like some of Saw Gerrera's nonsense. Like, he's yep. just throwing them into a prison. He's taking them right back out of the prison. He, he's, I mean, like, super paranoid. He's got a tentacle thing that shows up for no reason. <laughs> Force Whitaker... Oh, goodness! Force Whitaker is a... It seems to me to be an odd dude to begin with. Mm. 
So they took an odd dude and gave him an odd character. Yeah. And then it just went a little... Like, yeah. I, I liked... But I like conceptually him, but I thought that he he was yeah. And I liked again. Um, incidentally, he plays the character in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, he, really? He voices the character. Yeah. Okay. Like it's it's great that there's a lot of consistency there. But um, if we go back to Jeddah City and that whole brawl with the stormtroopers and Chirrut Imway coming in and and just beating the crap out of yep. a bunch of them, everything that happens in Jeddah City, I really enjoyed. And again, Battle of Scarif, I enjoyed the space battle. I enjoyed like that was one of the best space. She enjoyed battles. all the parts of the movie. No, because there's a middle. There's a middle middle that happens on Edu, which is the rainy planet where Galen Erso is doing his work. You don't like that? I don't like the lead up to it where they're just sort of crawling towards finding the place. And I don't like some of the battle that happens after he's shot. I think that there's kind of a there's a lull there and it's a weird lull because it's an actiony lull but i distinctly remember there's a good 20 minute span of the movie that just kind of dips. i think you just fall asleep during fight scenes i think you have a i was in a d-box a scene narco- and I fell asleep a narcoleptic uh you know fight thing now you know the fight with the stormtroopers in the city the fight with stormtroopers is interesting because stormtroopers are, are such a weird conundrum to me why is this well because stormtroopers are in the first movie, in, in A New Hope, yep. uh, they Obi-Wan talks about the precision of these stormtrooper blasts, mm. the elite stormtroopers. Only Imperial stormtroopers. Only Imperial stormtroopers who have never hit a fucking thing in the history of these movies. Okay, but you know, you know, right, that they're not supposed to in the first film. You know this, right? Why are they, why are they not supposed to? Okay, they're so, fighting. So, yeah, but here's the thing. Every time the Imperial Stormtroopers show up in that film, and they are supposed to hit somebody, they hit somebody. The first time they show up, they blast through this door on the Tantai IV, the blockade yep. runner ship, yep. and they shoot a whole bunch of Rebel Troopers dead. Right. And so then why, so, shows up. So now, why are they randomly be, are able to shoot, and sometimes not, and sometimes... Well, here's the thing. So you've got the attack on the blockade runner. They were very successful at that. The clearing out of the homestead and the destruction of the sand crawler. They're very good at that, obviously. Right. Okay. The next time we actually see them uh, firing at somebody, they're firing at a ship that's about to take off where ship-mounted cannons are firing back at them. I think it's pretty fair to say that's an uphill battle for the number of stormtroopers that sure. are there. And sure. they are actually still holding ground while setting up an emplacement weapon. They're doing pretty okay for themselves considering they're yeah. fighting turrets. But let's walk on to where things really start to go downhill for them, which is the Death Star. Where right. every single time they face off against two guys in suits and a hairy monster, and then later on they two guys in suits and a hairy monster and a princess, they can't thing. hit a thing. They're not supposed to. They literally have orders that say, make this look good, don't kill these people, because at the end of the Death Star sequence, Tarkin says to Vader, I'm taking an awful risk here. They've put a tracking device on Millennium Falcon, which is going to lead them back to the Rebel base. So they're sort of letting them escape for a bigger picture. Exactly. And they're making it convincing so that they are led back to the Rebel base as opposed to the Rebels figuring it out before it's too late. I guess. I mean, in in, in Attack of the Clones, they are supreme warriors to a certain extent. They're quite effective, yes. They're very effective. So, yeah, I mean, I guess... It has always just struck me as weird. And I mean, obviously, also, there's the famous blast door, or the, the door sequence. What was the last uh, door? What was the last door? Open the last door! Well, there's, there's those, but also, I, I'm thinking of the, uh, 
the guy who bumps his head that they left in the oh, yeah. in the movie. So they seem That's like Snoke, obviously. Snoke, right? Because he's got the crack <laughs> in his head. I mean, it could be because we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know. <laughs> um, so I mean, I guess I think they they always seem like bumbling idiots when. Okay, but again, let's when, let's let's walk through this here because it, the first time they actually show up is of course Attack of the Clones. Right. Attack the Clones, they are very effective fighters, as yes. you saw, okay? And Revenge of the Sith, they remain effective fighters. The Republic yep. wins over the Confederacy of Independent Systems, okay? So then we walk ahead to A New Hope. And in A New Hope, whenever they are required to be effective, they are effective. When they are required to be ineffective, they still manage to put on a convincing show in a way that gets a rebel leader to lead the Death Star back to the rebel base. All right. And it's only while they're traveling out in space that she realizes this was an easy escape, and probably then only because four TIE fighters. But then them. in in the new, so in Force Awakens and Last Jedi, mm-hmm. there are these really angry people. Like yeah. they've gone from but in sort the Force Awakens. In the Force Awakens, though, these are different troopers. Because if you walk this one back, okay, you find yeah. that in Attack of the Clones, obviously they are clone troopers of Jango Fett. Yeah. Django Fett, yes. Now, as far as we know, in the original trilogy, I'm led to believe they are still clones supplemented with recruits. So they are the same program, and they are adding on, like, ardent Imperial citizens who want to to join the fight. Exactly. Uh, But who haven't gone through the clone training program. And, of course, that's kind of going to do your your secondary staging. That's going to help. Yeah, it's going to de-streamline that a little bit. But in The Force Awakens, what they are is actually indoctrinated from birth. And none of them are clones. Um, Kylo Ren actually makes this line. He says, you know, perhaps Leader Snoke should consider using a clone army. Because right. your and people... And Finn also says, like, we, we're taking a birth. Oh, yeah. So, and and yeah. there's a point where Phasma and Hux are discussing, like, reconditioning. Because that's what they do. They actually right. condition all the troops. So that's why you get this in, uh, intense dedication and increased amount of competence. And they're actually carrying around tools that are like, if we randomly happen to run into someone with a lightsaber, well, we've got a thing for that. Those crazy... Those are the weirdest weapon I think I've ever seen. It's, it's quite bizarre. A, it's an odd... Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, if we're looking back at the original trilogy, because we're talking about the competence of stormtroopers, and I think we're talking, like, Imperial storm Stormtroopers here more than anything else. Um, after they show up on the Death Star, where's the next time you actually see them in the original trilogy? Would be running mm. into the base in the Battle of Hoth. And none right. of them do anything incompetent in the Battle of Hoth. They get into no, the base. That's true. Yeah, they set yeah, up they weapons and the Millennium Falcon barely outruns them. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Vader's there with them. Like, he's. he's they're right. not screwing around. And then the next time you'll see them on uh, Bespin in Cloud City. They don't fire a lot of shots, and the ones that they do are fired at Luke, yeah. who is not supposed to be shot. So, again, they're being told, do not hit this man. Right. Yeah, because he's being funneled and they, Vader. And they also, don't they take apart, they, they capture... They capture everyone. And when, when yeah, they yeah. surround and they capture the, the group, nobody goes, oh, maybe I'll try and pick off a couple of these guys. They go, right. we're not going to do that because we will be shot right. very fast. So the only time we really see them being incompetent in a situation where they would be incompetent, and this is, of course, I would be called upon to defend it in the, the most difficult circumstance imaginable, is, of course, the Battle of Endor. Well, you still live on Endor. No, no, they don't. Ewoks <laughs> live on Endor, and Ewoks, as it turns out, beat stormtroopers. Making you wonder yeah, why so, they wear that armor at all. So, why... Now, this one, I, I have a theory on this one, and I'm going to have to work with theory. Because, All right. Because, again, we did see them getting beaten by primitive teddy bears. By yeah. literally... My theory involves 
involves, and we're going to lean on this here, the uh, speeder bikes. Okay. Have you noticed uh, what happened to every single scout trooper who was riding a speeder bike? Oh, they died. How did they die? Uh, crashed their speeder bikes. That's mostly. the one. Yes. Speeder bike related injury. Right. Speeder bikes are not a clever thing to use in a dense ancient forest. Nor is it... Although e- Luke and Leia seem to be fine on them. Luke uses the force, and Leia has the force whether or not she knows it. Stormtroopers, by and large, are not really... Pretty forceless, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Kind of a distinguishing right. feature of them. So, but in addition, they've also got what other equipment? ATSTs. ATSTs, which are probably not the best in a specific environment that keeps it narrow up where their business end is. <laughs> <laughs> and AT-ATs, which again, not a heck of a lot of open battleground mobility, no. which is why you don't see any defending the bunker back door. Right. Yeah? So my theory here is that the whole point of the Death Star 2 plan is that they would hide the construction, and they would hide the shield generator until it was ready, and then they would set up this big ambush. And the only way that works, the only way this scheme comes off, is if no rebel spies detect the forces being massed on the pl- on the forest moon of Endor for an ambush. Okay. So instead of spending in, and we know they've got specialists in all sorts of areas. We know they've yep. got stormtroopers. We know they've got sand troopers, beach troopers. Yep. Instead of sending in rangers forest and forest specialists yeah, and yeah. equipment that would be suitable for that environment. They send they in bright been, white. They've been sending in supplies from wherever they can sneak them all the way across the galaxy. Okay. Right? They've been sending in things that you'd be like, oh, that's probably going to a desert planet somewhere. Because that's a, it's a speeder bike. You know, it's going somewhere flat and open where there's not a bunch of trees to crash into and die a fiery death. Turns out, no, yeah. it's They've going been sending ATUTs. Well, they send those everywhere. ATSTs, well, they're, they're all terrain. They could go anywhere they want right. to. So, by drawing troops that are not used to being in this environment and drawing uh, utilities and vehicles and, and other supplies that are not geared specifically toward this environment the ambush is supposed to be able to come off. And sure enough, like, there is an effective ambush, and there's actually a battle there where the rebels had expected to just go in and go boom. Yeah. Um, So that being said, my theory for why they are incompetent in that environment is because the people specifically sent to that environment were the people least qualified to be there. Right. Because the point was not to engage in a long, drawn-out battle with... Rebels supplemented by natives in this terrain with the script. The intent was to just surround a small operational band, which the rebels had. That's what the rebels had. And say, okay, so we've got you, and we're going to use you as an object demonstration so that your friend falls to the dark side. That's the scene. Okay. So so let's let's back it up and do our our, uh, rating system here a little bit on a few of the films we've talked about. So the... So what is the what is the best Star Wars film of all time? I am still going to stick with Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And now, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, 1 being cheese, and 10 being The Empire Strikes Back. Well, I guess uh, I'll call The Empire Strikes Back a 10 on that scale. All right. Uh, what's number two for you, Jedi? Number two for me is Jedi for, for odd reasons. And it's, it's is because... Is it Ewoks? No, it's because Jedi is actually the first Star Wars film I saw. Okay. So it's got it's got certain sentimental value to me that that um, the other films don't. Like A New Hope for me, when I rate it, actually has the least nostalgic value for me. Weirdly enough, sure, yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm a little bit more objective on that than than I'm often yeah. credit for. Jedi, I'm not very objective on at all. I like, Jedi, I like it more than I should. <laughs> Jedi is playful in ways that 
the other ones are not. It's also, I mean, it, it is designed in a large scale way to sell toys. Oh, yeah. And so for people who watched it as a kid, I mean, I watched Jedi as a kid. That was awesome. Like, you had the rank, Rancor? Rancor. Rancor. The Rancor, this giant monster who's actually on your table right now. That giant monster, yes. Um, the Ewoks. Like, the Ewoks will forever be. I will randomly, out of nowhere, when someone asks me to do something, if it's one of my friends, just say, yep, yep. Like, I just, I just try to talk Ewok whenever I can. They're the cutest thing that has ever maybe existed. Um, they're fantastic. So there's all these parts of it. The final battle sequence is, is really fantastic. Yeah. Luke grows a pair through the course of it and is this really uber-confident, um, you know, warrior in a way that he's he's just not in. Yeah. I mean, in the first one, in, in a hope, he's, he's interesting, but he's such a... Dumb farm boy. Yeah. Uh, in number two, he's he's kind of a whiny punk for a, just a great portion of it, and it's fine with it because Empire is probably the the best film of the series. Although Jedi is kind of my favorite because it was the first, it was the big one that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what's your ranking for Jedi? What's your one to ten? Where would you put that? I'm gonna annoy and you. And I'll here. say that I'm these gonna... I'll say that these can be independent of like. Where we ranked Guardians and stuff. Yeah, like, they're I'm not gonna, in the yeah, same, you know, they're in a different ranking. Which universe. makes sense. And I'm going to annoy you. I'm going to put Jedi at 8 and I'm going to put New Hope at, at 10. So, uh, once again. Yep. Uh, I do this just to bother you. You're really. going to give scores. I, I ob- This is the thing. I objectively know that Jedi has structural flaws in, a, sure. in ways that A New Hope does not. I. I have more you just have nostalgic to more yeah I have more nostalgic build up on that particular film is the thing I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Empire a, a 10 I think it's a I mean it is start to finish so good it opens great yeah it closes great mm. and all the middle is great yeah so I'm gonna give it a 10 I'm gonna give Jedi a 9.5 uh, I'm gonna give hope a and and like a seven, like a just above a seven, like a seven point two, wow. um, because I think there are just large portions of it that that are, are very quite boring. I mean, that there are just to me long, sort of arduous parts of it that I just don't really dig into the same way. Um, now, uh, Rogue One, mm-hmm. what's your where do you where do you put Rogue One? Rogue One, I give a seven. Seven, okay. Seven. I would I would give it an eight, mm-hmm. although I think I would still tie it with New Hope in terms of where I think yeah. they sit, but it, it's in that range. Um, I think we'll save the newer ones for a uh, another yeah. uh, another Just episode. Reason. I think we're good for tonight. Um, so. If you haven't seen these uh, these movies, uh, the Star Wars films, I would suggest you do so. Uh, if my wife is listening, please watch the Star Wars movies. You're expecting your wife to be listening uh, at this point in this particular podcast. Uh, my wife doesn't listen to anything that I produce in any way. She has never read anything I've written. She's never listened to anything I've, I've produced. So I, I, I bet you she's not. But if you're listening and you know my wife, tell her to watch Star Wars. 
Um, and that is it for the show. I think. I think we're we're good. good. All right. Thank you for joining. Mostly spoilers. Yeah.